It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast, moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. So, was Karl Marx a Satanist? Did he worship the Dark Lord, the devil? You know, Karl Marx is the founder of modern-day socialism. Marxism is a general term for, you know, a social, political, and economic philosophy named after Karl Marx. But one of the problems with younger generations today, very few actually understand who Karl Marx was and how he personally raged at religion, rejected God, and embraced hell, really. And you doubt that? Well, his own words kind of admit it. He's one of, out of his, one of his poems, Thus heaven I forfeited, I know it full well, my soul once true to God is chosen for hell. Other, uh, Dr. Paul Kangor warns that everyone should be aware of the immense evil produced by Karl Marx when he wrote his devilish communist manifesto two centuries ago, that no other theory in all of history has led to the deaths of so many innocent people claiming the lives of over 100 million people in the 20th century alone. Now, on top of that, Karl Marx was a bigot, anti-Semitic, misogynistic, and pretty much a hypocrite advocating for no more personal property or wealth, and yet he lived off his parents and, and that of a collaborator who also lived off his family inheritance. And many of, yet many of today's social movements like critical race theory, critical social justice theory, and Black Lives Matter and others share this one foundation, Marxism. In his book, The Devil and Karl Marx, Dr. Paul Kangor exposes, Kangor, sorry, exposes Karl Marx's reign of terror, his political, economic, and social philosophy unleashed on the world. And here's another quote from the book. He says, any ideology with a trail of rot like this is not of God, but of the forces against God. It is not of God's creation, but a fallen angel's anti-creation. It is not of light, but of dark. Now, Dr. Paul Kangor is also a professor of political science at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania, and he's a New York Times bestselling author of over a dozen books, and also uh, with the Institute for Faith and Freedom, and he joins me now. Welcome, doctor. Hey, yeah, thank you, Lauren. It's, it's always good to be with you, and I really appreciate what you do at Fox. Thank well, you. Well, thank you so much, and well, I appreciate all your writings. You wrote, you know, the book uh, God and, uh, and Ronald Reagan as well, right? I did. I did. I did that. I did a book called God and George W. Bush and the great forgotten book. I did, <laughs> I did a book called I did a book called God and Hillary Clinton. Wow. Which was on, yeah, which was on the faith of Hillary Clinton. So I've done I've taken on the spiritual lives of so many different figures and God and Ronald Reagan. It's kind of my first book. I, I had published my dissertation <laughs> prior to that. That doesn't really count. Uh, but, but, but God and Ronald Reagan, that was uh, that was a bestseller through um, HarperCollins, Judith Regan's imprint. And so I, I sort of got into this spiritual biography thing. And I've always been fascinated, disturbed by Marx's spiritual beliefs. Wow. And, I, and I certainly can call a book on Karl Marx, God and Karl Marx, because <laughs> Marx didn't believe in God, right? And But it, it always kind of haunted me. I've lectured about this guy in my classes at Grove City College. I teach a, I do an entire course on Marxism. And I knew about some previous 
biographers, uh, Robert Payne, right, uh, right. Paul Johnson, yeah, they, you know, they, Paul Johnson's book, Intellectuals. So I knew about Marx's kind of fascination with um, the dark side, with the devil, or at the least, you know, wrote some really chilling poems and plays about the devil. So I always thought, uh, man, I should do something on Marx. And you know, it yeah. took a while. It, it wasn't fun to do. This isn't you know pleasure writing, let alone pleasure reading. But it's got to be um, you know, like you're saying, chilling to write about someone like who who says things it, like it I've chosen yeah. for hell. You know, it, it is. Yeah. And, 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 and that, I mean, that's quite a statement, right? So, you know, thus heaven I've forfeited. I know it full well. That's a poem he wrote in 1837 called the pale maiden. My soul once true to God is chosen for hell. And, and, and you read that and, and, and Lauren, that whole play is really sick. I mean, the pale maiden, he describes this, this um, like cold uh, white paisley, uh, maiden walking around at night. Yeah, it's kind of like a late night, you know, B movie horror show, right? Mm. And and like with so much of Marx, you read this stuff and and you wonder, is he writing about himself? Well, right? but you know that's is, interesting because his daughters committed suicide, right? They were a, a, a suicide yeah. pact. I mean, was he that's writing right. about them? Well, that's right. And he he wrote about suicide a lot. And in, in fact, I, I opened the book with a, with another play, another stanza he wrote from a poem called The Player. And he said there, look now, my blood dark sword shall stab unerringly within thy soul. The hellish vapors rise and fill the brain till I go mad and my heart is utterly changed. See the sword, the prince of darkness sold it to me. And and so it, in these, he's Ew. writing about the prince of dark. Yeah, he's writing about the prince of darkness. He's writing about suicide. He's writing about pale maidens. He's writing about even suicide packs, people killing themselves by ingesting poison. And you know, I can't say that it's a complete coincidence that Karl Marx is the only historical figure that I know of who had two daughters who killed themselves in suicide packs with their husbands. And um, one of one of the husbands backed out on the suicide pact after he gave Marx's daughter poison. People felt that that he should have been prosecuted for for murder. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Edward Aveling, the guy was a com a complete. All all the socialists, communists, they all hated the guy. The guy was terrible. The other one who who actually went through with the suicide pact. Paul Lafargue, he was a victim of, I would say, among other things, Marx's racism. Mm -hmm. um, the, the guy was partly Cuban. And so, you know, and Marx and Engels being these real strict evolutionists, try to deduce with scientific accuracy how much, quote unquote, Negro blood was in Paul. And these guys would sit around and scratch their heads and Right. Say, hmm, I think perhaps one eighth Negro blood. Right. Wow. I think perhaps uh, and they would they would and they would examine his his skull size and the shape of his hair and talk about him being descended from the Negroes in Egypt and all this really horrible stuff that they, they called him Negrillo, the gorilla. That's what they that is what Marx called his. It's just amazing. And, you know, so so let's get to the quick. Did, did he actually worship? The devil. I mean, was he the devil's handmaiden kind of thing? 
Well, so that, you know, I, and I say this very carefully, as you know, and I, I say it right up front in the book, you know, that's something, you know, borrow from Barack Obama, right? It's above my pay grade, right? <laughs> um, I, 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 I can't say, I, I've never seen evidence of that. Uh, although although I, I quote other biographers who, who go that far, and one of them, Robert Payne, who was the best biographer of Marx. He was he was a British academic, mm-hmm. man of arts, letters, um, you know, a, a, a expert in languages, poetry, plays. I mean, this guy was no right winger. He was probably middle of the road, probably a Democrat, British, probably in the British Labor Party. Yeah, yeah. And and he did his really seminal biography of Marx, 1968. He had a chapter called called the Demons, and he wrote. This is a direct quote. There were times when Marx seemed to be possessed by demons. He had the devil's view of the world and the devil's malignity. Sometimes Marx seemed to know that he was accomplishing works of evil. So I, I wow. say, Lauren, that you know, I, I can't confirm that. I mean, I don't I mean you'd probably I mean if it, if it if it quacks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it <laughs> must be a <laughs> <Right>. duck. <laughs> Well, and, and and there's also the late Richard Wormbrand, who wrote the books Tortured for Christ. He was the Romanian pastor who was literally tortured by communists in Romanian prisons, who shouted at him, I am the devil, I am the devil, while they were torturing him. And and Wormbrand goes that far, right? He he believes that Marx was a Satanist. Now, you, now some people would say, listening to this now, would say, well, it, it, Marx was an atheist, right? right he right. didn't believe in the supernatural. So how could he believe in Satan? Well, there, there's, there are actual. I, I this is a kind of garbage I had to look into in writing this awful book. Uh, there are Satanists who admire and kind of venerate Satan as a figure, mm-hmm. even if they don't believe in in a, in a literal Satan. And and even people in the book I quote, like uh, Michael Bakunin, who he and Marx were buddies. Um, ended up hating each other because Marx ended up hating everybody. Uh, he was he was a socialist, anarchist, atheist, and and Bakunin hailed Lucifer as this great rebel, which Saul Alinsky did as well. Wow. I mean, Saul Alinsky in the opening to Rules for Radicals uh, acknowledges Lucifer as this great rebel who won for himself his own kingdom. Right. So 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 Marx, in a way. It could have been, you know, dedicated, I guess, to, to Satan as a figure, as an idea, um, if he wasn't actually a Satanist, somebody wow. who worships Satan. And so I, I walk through all of this very, very carefully. And I say, look, I don't know if the guy was a Satanist or not, but if you look at what he wrote and the things that he said and the ideology that he produced and the poems and the plays, and I mean, as you know, some of these plays like the one Ulanem, which is an anagram for Emmanuel, are chilling. Oh and and you read it and you, and you say, okay, can we at least agree on this? This is really disturbing, perverse stuff. But his background, and, this is very interesting, though, his background, um, his family, family of rabbis, right? He, had, he came from, he was a right. Jewish rabbi, but his father converted to Lutheranism, you know, the Christian denomination of, of you know, the Martin Luther. Um, and he was baptized at what, at five or six years old. And so, he you, was. and one of the things I had heard in a sermon years ago is that Karl Marx's father converted to the Lutheran Church because of for financial reasons, that it was just more profitable to be a Lutheran than it was to be a Jewish person at that point. How true is that? Did you find any evidence of that? 
Well, it's, most of the Marx biographers say that the father converted to Lutheranism out of the social pressures and discrimination uh, of the day in mm. Prussia, in, in, in Trier, which was the Trier, Germany is where they're from. Trier is T-R-I-E-R. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the social pressures against Jews, discrimination against Jews. And, and, but I don't know, Lauren. I, I mean, I, I, read, I mean, he seemed to, to me to have been a, a fairly committed believer in kind of in Christianity generally, or, or at least believe in believe, believed in God generally. Yeah. yeah. And, and and he even said to Carl, he said, you know, Carl, religion is a good thing for a man, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you, you know, what we would call today a moral compass, a rudder, something to believe in other than yourself. The kind of oddity, Lauren, is that most Jews who converted in Trier converted to Catholicism because yeah. it was one of the most Catholic cities right, in, right. in all of in all of Germany. And in fact, th- this too is really quite chilling. Marx grew up quite literally in the shadow of, of the great cathedral of Trier that was built in the fourth century by, 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 uh, by Monica, uh, the, the mother of, Con- uh, not Monica, uh, uh, Helena. Helena, but mother of Constantine. The mother of Constantine, right? The 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 man who um, Constantine, in fact, is is a saint in the Orthodox Church. Right. Um, right. So is Helena. She's Saint Helena. She's the one that went to the Holy Land in uh, in the fourth century and came back with what she claimed was was the true cross of Jesus. Came back with um, the crown of thorns, which is in Notre Dame to this day, and she came back with with no, no less than the holy robe she believed that Christ wore on the way to the crucifixion, which the Roman soldiers cast lots for at the at the feet of Christ when he was crucified. That holy robe is in the cathedral in Trier, wow. and get this, marks has one of his devil characters in in his play Ulanem. Marx not only wrote the play, wrote the script, but wrote the setting for it, the stage and even the costumes for his characters. The holy the, the whole the, while the the devil character is 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 playing profusely in this like satanic mindset, the violin, he dons the holy robe Ugh. of Christ from from that cathedral and 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 so it's this you know, marx is constantly mocking christianity constantly mocking god and so right then and there if you know if marx isn't in the church of satan okay all right well at least <laughs> this kind of thing is troublesome it's pretty right? close you know what's interesting yeah. and i think what what really should be very very alarming to people today, especially parents today, who've got kids in college, you know, basically Marx was converted to atheism when he was in college, right? Right. Because his religion professor was an atheist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nothing has changed, right? No, like Uh, exactly. People think I'll take religion classes. It'll be fine. No, (laughs) this is where the atheists live. uh, That's great. I got to tell you this. So uh, we, we had friends that at a church at, at, at my church and and their son went off to a very secular college and i was really worried about him i thought you know he really should go to a christian college and they said oh it's okay his first semester he signed up for a religion course <laughs> and i thought oh no and, and and so around thanksgiving or christmas time i asked they said hey how's it going and they said oh 
it's really it, 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 the place is so super secular, so super liberal. And I said, how's the religion course going? They said, the religion course, it's taught by an atheist. <laughs> I said, well, of course, it's taught by an atheist. What do you think C.S. Lewis was going to be teaching it? And it, the, this is this is what happens at these colleges. And it happened even in Marx's time. And yeah, Marx, who was baptized at the age of five or six, became somewhat of a committed Christian in high school, lost his faith in college, especially under the influence of a man named Bruno Bauer, who was very anti-Semitic. It was this kind of systematic theology professor who was an atheist who they kicked out of the college. And then he and Marx went on to start a journal together called The Archives of Atheism. Wow. So, so Marx, yeah, Marx really started turning to the dark side in college, which people listening... Right. A, a, a lot of your kids have too, and a lot of them will as will, which is why you got to be really careful about where you send your kid to college. Wow. Uh, Marx's dad learned that. Um, we're going to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about the book a little bit and how <laughs> liberal media really wouldn't wouldn't read it, wouldn't wouldn't even talk about it positively. We'll be right back with Paul, Dr. Paul Kangor. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus. They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. All right, well, we're back with Lighthouse Faith Podcast talking with Dr. Paul Kanger about the devil and Karl Marx. And, and, and Paul, you know, one thing that's interesting, I thought, is that the liberal media outlets, you know, wouldn't even review your book. I mean, they wouldn't <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why was that? Yeah, it's very true. Uh, in fact, not one of them reviewed it. Uh, and, and not one, now that I really think about this. And, and I've been, I mean, I've done about 20 books, Lauren, so I've been through this so many times in the past that at this time it didn't even, I didn't even notice yeah. this time. Yeah. But, but they, you know, typically I, I've, I, I found in the past, I talked to Mark Levin about this and his, mm -hmm. his new book, American Marxism. He was really surprised that no one had attacked it yet his book. And I said, well, you, you know, oftentimes that's a sign that you got everything right. You know, you know they, because no they, argument if, against if they, it. Yeah, that's exactly right. If, if, if they, if they find something that's not accurate, then they'll pounce on it. Right. But otherwise, if they're completely silent, it usually means you pretty much got everything right. And, and I found this too, with all the stuff I've done on Marxism, uh, although, although liberals 
um, you, aren't usually out there denouncing communism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, 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 kind of, they're kind of reluctant to go on the offensive, like in support of someone like Karl Marx, right? Kind of their really great sin here is almost a sin of omission where they don't talk about it. And I've seen this. They will um, they will attack anti-communists. They'll kind of make fun of anti-communists yeah. as being sort of Neanderthal, unsophisticated, right? And, and the late Richard Pipes, a Harvard professor, used to say this all the time. He'd say, "Well, my liberal colleagues at Hollywood, it's not that they're at, at Harvard. I should Hollywood too. He'd say, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, he'd say it's it's not that there's so much pro-communism, but it's like they're anti-anti-communism." Hmm. Right. They're against the anti-communists. So they'll sort of make fun of you if you're an anti-communist. And if you really push them and say, come on, you guys, I mean, communism is bad. They'll say, yeah, of course it's bad. Of course it's bad. But that's all they say. They don't really say anything else. And so, you know, you and I will wonder, well, why aren't they out there, the liberals, right, uh, exposing the communist sympathies of like an Ilhan Omar? or the Democratic Socialists of America, or, or complaining that Patrice Cullors, the founder of BLM, calls herself a Marxist, right? This is, very, know, are, this is the threatening yeah. part that we should be worried of today. You know, Karl Marx is not just in the early 19th century. He is today. Tell yeah. me how these things are connected, um, you know, critical race theory, critical social justice theory, and the Black Lives Matter movement. How are they connected to, to Karl Marx? Well, so the founder of BLM, Patrice Cullors, and I have her memoir right here in my desk, and and she opens up with a with a dedication from Asada Shakur, who's been hiding in Cuba since the 1980s. Uh, we have nothing to lose but our chains. It's the you know, her opening quote is the closing line from the Communist Manifesto. The preface is from Angela Davis, who is America's most famous female Marxist. Uh, she ran for vice president on the Communist Party USA ticket, 1976-1980. Angela Davis was a, is the most famous student of Herbert Marcuse, you know, the, the famous Frankfurt School Marxist mm-hmm. from the 1960s. And Patrice, in that book and elsewhere, has said, she, she said, um, we, meaning, she said, myself and Alicia, the two founders of, uh, co-founders of Black Lives Matter, Patrice Cullors and Alicia Garza, she says, we are trained Marxists. We are super versed in ideological theories. I am a Marxist. And when she tells you that, that's something really, really, really significant. People should not ignore that. And by the way, I would add here, if she only knew which, frankly, Lauren, I doubt she does because she's a product of our universities. Mm-hmm. If Patrice Cullors only knew what a racist Marx was, yeah, which she should know, uh, but she doesn't because because li- liberal professors don't talk about this, she would not call herself a Marxist. But why can uh, you mean, separate these two things? This is interesting. Can you separate Marxism? You know, from the man Karl Marx, you know, many people like you're talking about Patrice Cullors, you know, they herald the good of socialism and and dismiss any negative talk about Karl Marx himself. But can you separate Karl Marx, the person from Marxism and socialism? You can't. And and I think that's the pivotal point in all of this. And and I, I remember a student of mine at Grove City College about 20 years um, you know, kind of lashing out at me in the middle of the class for talking about all the negative personal stuff of Marx, saying uh, this is character assassination. You're attacking the man to attack his ideas. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. I said, OK, valid point. But I want you to hold on because I want you to see that the ideas are a direct extension of the man and his personal views. And when, you know, when Karl Marx, Karl Marx had a favorite line. Right. So if somebody said, 
hey, Paul Kengor, Lauren Green, do you have a, do you have a favorite line? We might say, yeah, it's this verse from scripture, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's for, you know, it's this quote from a saint, right? Or be not afraid. Or, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan said, oh, yeah, you know, John 316 from mm-hmm. the Old Testament, Second Chronicles 714. Oh, and I have this plaque on my desk, right? There's no, there's no limit to how much a man can achieve if he doesn't mind who gets the credit, right? And, you know, nice right, thoughts. Right, right, right. Carl, Karl Marx said, oh, yeah, I have a favorite line. And Marx's biographers know this, too. It was a line from Goethe's Faust, and 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 that's the play with the devil character, the Faustian bargain. Right, right. The devil character, right? The devil character was Mephistopheles, and and Marx said, "My favorite quote is from Mephistopheles: Everything that exists deserves to perish." Wow. Everything that exists deserves to perish. And people said that Marx would chant that line. So so this man, and that's so pivotal because Marx, who also wrote in a letter to Arnold Rouge, he called for the ruthless criticism of everything that exists. And he and Engels wrote in the manifesto, they said communism is about the most radical rupture in traditional relations. These guys, the communist philosophy isn't just about tinkering with markets or tax rates. This is a radical revolutionary philosophy that seeks to tear down the very foundations, the biblical natural order. Uh, you know, it's it's about the ruthless criticism right. of everything that exists. Everything that exists deserves to perish. Now, the Communist so, Manifesto, I want to talk about the Communist Manifesto because I'm, I want to keep on time here. Communist Manifesto um, is where Marx really tells us what he what he's about. And what communism is about. What is it and what does it say? And why do you say it possesses a bizarre and seductive quality to its ideological cultists? Well, the I think the most important line in, in the end of the whole manifesto is at the very end. And everyone remembers lines like workers of the world unite, um, you know, nothing to lose but your chains. But Bar- Mar- uh, Marx and Engels wrote, this is a direct quote, Uh, We communists, quote, openly declare that their ends can be attained only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions, (laughs) right? The forcible Forcible. overthrow, yeah, of all existing social conditions, forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. And and they wrote in there, they, they, they said communism seeks to abolish the present state of things. So again, when someone tells you that they're a communist, you shouldn't say, oh, well, that means you're about spreading the wealth and sharing and helping the poor. (laughs) No, that that means, according to Marx and Engels, that you support the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. This isn't isn't like being a Democrat or a Republican or even a progressive, right, or a conservative. There is no ideology more radical. And, and, And so people would ask me last summer, Well, do you see kind of the BLM protests in the streets and the people tearing down the statues and everything? Mm -hmm. Why? Why is that guy there with a hammer and sickle? Right. What does that have to do with a statue of Columbus? Right. What does that have to do with ripping down Frederick Douglass, of all people? I said, well, if, if you're about completely raising the foundation, you know, overthrowing all existing social conditions, 
That's very Marxist. You know, Marxism isn't about tax rates, right? Marx and Engels write in the manifesto about, quote, abolition of the family, exclamation mark. Even the most radical flare up of this infamous proposal of the communists, unquote. So people say, oh, this is a good, this is really a pretty good ideology. You should just read the book. No, they haven't read the book. There's nothing more radical and extreme than communist ideology. But one of the things that's very apparent and people don't want to understand it or admit it or they just don't know about this, communism brought more death in the 20th century than any kind of ideology um, in, in, in history, right? That's right. Over 100 million deaths. And that's a conservative that's a conservative estimate, 100 million. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the estimate that's most commonly cited. It's in the Harvard University Press book, the Black Book of Communism. And so among those 100 million, about 65 million, Mao's China. And the latest numbers on Mao is that Mao is probably over 70 million. And the, uh, the Black Book only right, says like 20 or 25 million for the Soviet Union. And, and the numbers on the Soviet Union are way higher than that. Uh, Alexander Yakovlev in his Yale University Press book, A Century of Violence in Soviet Russia, said Stalin alone annihilated 60 to 70 million. So it's probably more like 140 million. And just pr- put this into perspective, I mean, we lost 300,000 Americans in World War II, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. lost 600,000 in the Civil War, our bloodiest conflict. Uh, you have to take all the deaths in World War I and World War II, combine them and double them to get close to the number of people killed by communist governments. And here again, how does this relate to Marxism? Well, when Marx and Engels said, oh, how do you define communism? Well, the entire theory can be summed up in the single sentence, abolition of private property. Uh, Well, look, if you want to try to abolish people's private property, you're going to have a war on your hands. There's nothing. Property is a natural right, a basic right. Thou shalt not steal the Ten Commandments. If you go and try to take away private property from everybody in the world in this world communist philosophy, you're going to have to kill 100 million people. And, 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 you know, that, and, and, and Marx even said before, before they said that, he and Engels, well, of course, despotic inroads will be necessary to implement our plan. You're going to need despotism. You know, of course, you're going to need tyranny to take away people's private property. This is a uh, spiritual you know, evil. Sense. This is a spiritual evil that really has really becomes a religion in itself, right? Yeah. And Ronald Reagan used to say, yeah, yeah, you know, Marxism, Leninism, that religion of theirs. And and they did. They treated it like a religion. And I've got a lot of quotes in the book from different communists who described their sort of conversion to the faith, right? Mm-hmm. Their conversion to the communist faith. Um, Barack Obama's mentor back in Hawaii, Frank Marshall Davis, who was a closet Communist Party USA member, their, their underground code language for the Communist Party in Hawaii was the church. They mm. called it the church. And Marx and Engels, this is fascinating, Lauren. I didn't know this until a couple of years ago and when I found this in one of the biographies of Marx and Engels. They initially referred to their manifesto as their communist confession of faith. Wow. And, and Engels wrote to Marx. He said, uh, Carl, give a little more thought to our communist confession of faith. I think we should drop the catechetical, the catechetical form mm-hmm. and just call it the manifesto. 
So, so yeah, they refer to it as a confession of faith, you know, Westminster confession, right? Wow. Um, you know, the catechism, right? They use religious language for, for their ideology. And I think that's fitting because, again, this isn't just an economic philosophy. This is a worldview. This is an entirely different way of thinking, which, again, is why when somebody tells you that they or their, their organization is Marxist, Pay attention, man. That's that is nothing to shrug off. Well, this is another scary kind of thought. Has this sort of Karl Marx's evil sort of penetrated the Christian church? I mean, really operating within the church. Yeah, it, it has. And probably I think my longest part in the entire book, uh, maybe even longer than the biographical sections on Marx, is the section on infiltration of the churches. And that is really chilling. The degree to which communists in the United States, Communist Party USA, went after the mainline denominations, what became Presbyterian Church USA, the Episcopal Church, the United Methodist Church, mm-hmm. and uh, and attempted to with the Catholic Church to infiltrate seminaries. It's um, it's astonishing. I quote uh, Manning Johnson, who uh, I'll tell you, Lauren Manning Johnson was a hero. I mean, this guy was just amazing. He was uh, African-American, member of the Communist Party, left the Communist Party over its vicious atheism. He never quit believing in God while he was a member of the Communist Party. That's what finally drove him out of the party. Died fairly young. Testified before Congress in the 1940s with extraordinary eyewitness testimony to the degrees to which the, the different churches had been penetrated by communists. And I, I think you can argue that they had a lot to do with with some of the kind of radical elements within the mainline denominations that um, on the kind of progressive social justice left who didn't know that they were being duped, exploited, mm. used by um, communists who you know, truly wolves in sheep's clothing. Wow. Well, um, the book is called The The Devil and Karl Marx. It is fascinating, and it's also very chilling and scary. Dr. Paul Kangor, um, I want to thank you so much for being a Lighthouse Faith podcast. This is really a fascinating book and information that uh, a lot of people should be reading about. Well, thanks so much, Lauren. I appreciate what you do. And yeah, this stuff is not fun, but we need to know it. And young people in particular need to know it. And, And with platforms like yours and Hopefully books like this, this is how we could begin um, a remedial education to teach our young people what they're not learning. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Paul Kanger, again, the book is called The Devil and Karl Marx. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.